Welcome to JCAL's Journeys. Discover the beating heart of Southeast Queens' vibrant creative community as the Jamaica Center for Arts and Learning proudly present this limited episode podcast series, Exploring Arts and Culture in Queens. Hosted by none other than your civic engagement strategist and Queens girly, Tanisha Morrison, the series takes listeners on an enriching journey to uncover the stories, inspirations, and cultural influences that define some of Queens' most celebrated creatives. We are welcomed today by an amazing photographer, Elias Williams. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course, Elias, can you start by telling us more about your journey as a photographer? Are you from Queens? I'm originally from Queens. Okay, that's, uh, that, that's all that matters. You don't even have to go any deeper. That's, that's, that's all you need to know. <laughs> all right, I just wanted to make sure that base was down. Okay, yeah. can you tell us more about your journey as a photographer originally from Queens? Yeah, so um, I would say, you know, while this is based on Queens, like I, I think I started my journey during my transition from living in Queens to the Bronx um, and having um the space to like look back and reflect on how one how different queens and my part of queens was different from the bronx to um yeah it just gave me time to appreciate the differences and so that kind of influenced me to you know do work on my hometown and throughout the process of doing that i was Going to school at LaGuardia Community College, I met some some really great people there, some people that I became close friends. Um, one person is uh, Rodolfo Diaz and Stephen Chalmers. Uh, Rodolfo had passed passed away in 2021. Um, he was uh, 35, 35, 34. Um, but it was those two people that were you know, photographing their own communities and doing so with so much dignity and respect to the people in front of the camera that I sort of wanted to emulate that same that same visual language that they were using um, to highlight my own hometown. So, you know, you know, so, yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to say, first and foremost, sorry about your loss. Um, and um, I know Rodolfo will be very happy to know that. Um, he's still having impact, um, even with him not being here. But you talked about that mm -hmm. transition from the Queens to the Bronx, and I just wanted to touch on that just for a little second. You know, what were some things that were just vastly different for you um, experiencing both of those different type of communities? Uh, so one, where I grew up in St. Albans, it's very almost like along the lines of a suburban-like experience, knowing that you're not too far from Jamaica Ave, where all the hustle and bustle is for that part of part of the neighborhood. But, um, you know, I think people, people acknowledged each other a little bit more than what I was used to when I, when I ended up moving to the Bronx. And it's just, it's just the way things are, you know, I learned to not take it any type of way. Um, but it, you know, it's definitely louder, busier, and like more probably more crowded. And these were differences that I just learned to come to terms with and sort of appreciate, you know. But but those I would say those things were like the immediate differences um, for me, you know. 
Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and in, in those differences, I think, you know, there are also so many similarities in that, you know, your projects, a lot of your projects focus on uh, historically underrepresented communities, which the Queens and Bronx both have in common. You know, what inspired you to take on those type of projects and how has your work influenced or shaped the narratives for those communities? Um, yeah, like, so a lot of these projects that I ended up working on, um, these, the, like, the long-term projects that I ended up working on have some personal connection to myself and my own journey and my own interests. Um, so I would say that, you know, being familiar with with those communities helped me shape the narratives in ways where like I can pinpoint things that aren't familiar to most to most people. Um, whether it be, you know, somewhere just outside of the neighborhood and people just have outsider perspective and are interested in looking in and what I'm really what I'm really trying to do is just show that there is so many common commonalities amongst us all. Um, I'm not too I'm not too dedicated to like you know trying to change people's minds, but it's like just trying to show that, you know, other people exist and deserve the same respect as other other parts of the world, other cultures that we start seem to favor more so than others. Uh, if you're looking for an affordable, accessible way to grow as an artist, check out JCal Arts classes. JCal's Cornerstone year-round programs offer high-quality visual and performing art classes and workshops for youth, adults, families, and seniors. Classes include piano painting, cartooning, animation, fashion design, ceramics, acting, and much more. Learn more about our classes at jcal.org. That, that's a fact. Um, how do you believe art, particularly photography, plays a role in uh, igniting such type of social change or societal change? Um, that's a good question. Um... I think writing social change. Hmm. Like there was a point where you know it was. It, I guess it was just important to me um, to just simply show show where I was from and you know what I could relate to, um, but. I don't know. I gotta gotta give me a second on that one. Hold on. No, that's um, okay. Cause, um, I, I'm I'm gonna help. I'm gonna help bring you there. So yes. <laughs> I got you. Don't worry about it. Um. So I mean, I flowers are deserving, right? For the work right. that we do, and you are um, an amazing photographer that has had the 
the the doors open for you to work with uh photoville festival um i think i saw the morris museum um right. museum of art and the museum of the city of new york i've seen your clippings in uh, apple bloomberg markets essence huff post you're big on instagram um new york right. times time and the wall street journal and most important that i want to make sure that we highlight today that can flow into this question so amazingly is your work with National Geographic. And let's just take a moment to talk about what that was, um, what that experience was like for you. And then we can double back to that question because I think we're going to answer it ourselves. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so the National Geographic thing, um, I, I at that point, I had probably been working on my project for like close close to 10 years and had gone gone through many phases with the work and changing like what it meant for me as I was growing with the work and I felt like I just got to a good place where I felt comfortable sharing it with National Geographic. So um, what was it first? Let's let's tell the listeners what was that work that you were working on for so long. Oh uh, right, yes. Um it's a project on my hometown focusing on, you know, St. Albans and homeownership, Black homeownership in St. Albans. And sort of to not only bring more recognition to St. Albans and the culture surrounding it, but more, but also to add on to the conversation around Black homeownership. And so being, being in a position to work with National Geographic gave me access to you know, academics that could talk about it much further than I can. And, you know, having access to a team that could put together graphs to like really visualize all of this in the greater context of black homeownership in the United States. So um, these are all things I was thinking about going into this, like how can I, you know, cause like most publications need a, like a reason quote unquote to, to publish publish a work, a work like that, body of work like that. So, you know, I know, I knew how valuable the history of Black homeownership was in St. Albans and how much of it isn't known. So how can I bring that history to the forefront while also talking about a greater conversation around Black homeownership that isn't discussed? And more so in a in a positive light while still acknowledging things like the housing crisis and how that really sort of broke up a lot of families in, in Southeast Queens in general, let alone St. Albans, you know? So, um, when I had, when I had trouble getting in contact with people who lost their homes, it just made me double down and focused on people that are still here and have, have a valuable story to tell, no matter how big or small, and no matter their their background, you know. So, so I'm interested things. to know, um, you were working this on this already, or was this something that you pitched to Nat Geo? This is something I pitched to to Nat Geo, and I I mean I was both working on it, and it was something I pitched to Nat Geo. So, just yeah. Okay, and then please tell our listeners like what came out of this experience. What you know, you took you were working with Nagio, you were getting these stories untold. What what was the outcome? What was the what was the end goal? What what happened? Yeah, so 
the pitch that sent in that geo led to a 24 page story uh that featured saint albans <laughs> yes yes in the october 2021 um and it was like it was amongst the last few of their uh magazines before they stopped made the decision to stop making uh magazines you know so that that's crazy to know and to uh i made it a point to make the magazine accessible to people in the neighborhood so i was able to convince nat geo to bring free copies to local libraries so people just walk in and grab a copy because it's really it's like i don't mean to brag but it's it's uh basically yeah. a it's a collector's item a little something like that you know to have a queen's community in national geographic is no small thing for me and i've seen how slim the archives are of visuals for st albans and the history of st albans so this is my way of adding adding on to that you know it's like i feel like First and this foremost, community yeah we 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 brag over here Let's just get yes. that. We're, we're, we're going to brag. We're going to brag cool. on the work. Okay. Yes. Because the work deserves that. That's just number one. But number two, Elias, you know, when I asked you, how do you believe your art, particularly photography, plays a role in igniting social change? The stories, and that is just one of the many, for me at least, you know, of where that starts. I'm, don't even know if you know this, but I met you at an Adelaide Park Civic Association meeting because you were on a tour about your work with Nigeo. Okay, this is still in COVID. And you made sure that you went to civic association meetings to tell yeah. people about these stories untold. So it didn't just stop at you capturing the work so amazingly. It then went for you to tell the stories. It then went to you to publish those and amplify those, right? And then you brought it and recycled it back into that community to make sure that you told that community that they are seen, that they are heard, that they are powerful and that they are doing. So I just wanna be very clear. When I asked you that question, it was because it was rhetorical, all right? The work right. speaks for itself <laughs> in so many ways. And I wanted to know from your perspective, but you kind of just answered the question, right? And I just hope our listeners understand that a lot of the times, and for people of color and specifically Black people, you know, uh, something that came out of COVID, we say a lot for people that don't know is that Black people are not a monolith, right? We are not one person. We don't have one thing. And something that came out of civil rights movement so well, you know, which a lot of it was birthed for places like Adelaide Park and St. Albans, was that we had jazz musicians and actors and writers who right. were amazing in their fields, but they were still there to ignite social change because they were black and, right? They were right. black and a photographer. Right. They were black and an artist. They were still dealing with things that were happening in their communities. They still had basic human and civil rights that they were still um, needed justice on. And you touched on it, you know, really quickly that you said, you know, yeah, I wanted to capture these untold stories about St. Albans, but I also wanted to still lend a hand to the housing crisis that was happening. How many, you know, from uh, Southeast Queens to Crown Heights and Bed-Stuy to Harlem, how all of these communities went through a great migration to 
getting and get locking in these homes and building their economic power and their housing power and all these po- political power mm-hmm. to then also still lose that right and to also still have people fighting for that so i just want to make sure i'm amplifying that this is a a cyclical thing this is you recycled it all the way back you didn't just say i want to take these dope photos and meet these cool people and hear about these stories you said no it needs to be archived you said, actually, no, there's stories to be told. You yeah. actually said there's probably somebody who came to St. Albans right now who is of color, who actually has no idea about the ground that they're walking on. You said that there are things that can be done to continue to make sure that they're maintaining that economic power and that housing power. You were saying that, hey, yeah. California, hey, Atlanta, hey, you know, hey, South Carolina, there are people in New York who have went through this and still exist in this. And I mean, humble brag or not, one of the last copies that are existing of the Natural Geographic print. So, like, please, okay? Uh, <laughs> it is, <laughs> well, photography is definitely is. playing right. a role, yeah. right? <laughs> for sure. Yeah, for photography sure. is definitely playing a role in so many different lenses that the photography and the beauty, your beautiful photography, is just the foundation, mm-hmm. right? Like, it is literally just the foundation of all these other amazing things that could spark. So if you didn't know, I just want to make sure we're, oh, we're no, doubling no. back. We're good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, no, and making sure that people yeah. do that. Awesome. I okay. Mean, so like, mm-hmm, good. Yeah. I mean, just to, I guess to go on with what you're saying right now, it's just, I mean, when you ask that question it's like, I mean, it's photography, then it's also action. It's like, you can't let the, the pictures sit sit in a drive or in a box and, you know, not do anything with it. It's like, it's, it ends. I mean, there's much more to the process than making pictures. So, um, yeah. In your opinion, how are community spaces like uh, the Jamaica Center for Arts and Learning vital in breaking down barriers and making art more accessible to everyone? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, um, I always say like, not everybody can go, go to places like Chelsea or, uh, Midtown Manhattan or the Museum Mile. Um, sometimes that's out, out of the way for a lot of people. Um, especially on a work day when a lot of these openings often take place. Um, so that that's very important to me. And also like people don't necessarily feel it's been like very apparent to me that most people don't feel comfortable in those types of settings. Cause it, it's just, you think that it's because, because it's in a sort of, I guess, well to do neighborhood in the city, you know, think you think you ex- sort of expect things to be a certain way. And I feel like places like J.Cal, places, institutions that are like accessible in the communities um, are super important um, because you just feel like you're around, around your own people and there's no, there's no expectation to be, to be a certain way or, and oftentimes the work isn't, in other places, the work isn't reflective of the people that are going out of their way to see it. So, um, to 
you know, have them in <laughs> to have it in places like local communities is is everything. You know, that was a bar. Like, I, why I, can't I just we have... need to say that. Say say that one more time. Usually, what? Just say say it again because I just want to make sure everybody heard that. Usually, <laughs> uh, I'm not good at that. <laughs> I'm not good at like uh, so you said. Things, so it's all, all good. I got you because you said that usually the people who are going out of the way to see certain works are not even reflective. Yes, um, yes. And right. I just think that that was important uh, to to your point about places like J Cal where literally it's your cousin, it's your friend, it's your sister, it's you know the woman who. Uh, your teacher growing up, it's your fifth grade teacher who you didn't know loved art and is creating dynamic works that you yes. can see um, where this is not really good parking, but you could take the dollar van, mm -hmm. you, know, you can take Uber mm -hmm. over there. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's it's easily accessible to your, your community. Right. Thank you so much, Elias. I have to say, young man, I am very, very proud of you. But also, I am in awe of your humility. Uh, you literally just said, and it's just so many little gems. I have to make sure I amplify them because you just said that you are enjoying being a beginner again. And I want to make sure I don't like leave those things to just like flow through what we're, our listeners mm -hmm. are hearing because mm -hmm. you are someone who has worked on a specific craft for a while. Like you said, you know, it's in the last few years, you've emerged in a different way. Your the fruits of your labor are um, here and are, are proven, and you're continuously growing in that. But you also find joy and humility in learning new things and being able to take on a new project. And I think yes. if anybody wanted to know if there was a secret sauce, right? If there if there was something there, I think it is your ability to say, mm, I like that challenge and I'm, I received that challenge and mm -hmm. I embrace that thing and I embrace learning that new thing. And I think if anybody asks me from this, you know, why do you think Elias is um, seeing this recognition and success? It is because of your ability to stay humble and still take action because you're not above um, doing any of that. So I just wanted to make sure I acknowledge that and give you your flowers and say, Thank you. We are so proud that. to call you a Queensite. We, uh, you know, the Bronx, the Bronx can borrow you. But you're <laughs> out here. And um, nice. I just want to say thank you so much on behalf of J. Cal and on behalf of our listeners for being with us today. Oh, no. Thank you. Thank you. It was an honor. Appreciate it. Okay. See you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. We are welcomed today by Mr. Steve Kroon, a percussionist, a professional musician for over the last 50 years, and we're just really happy to have him. Welcome, Mr. Kroon. Hi, how are you? Great I'm to be well. here. Thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited about this. It's really nice. Uh, awesome. Well, let's just jump right in. Um, can you share yeah. some of your experiences and memories of growing up in Queens, uh, particularly in St. Albans, and how it influenced your musical journey? Well, yeah, I'm glad to do this because I think the history of Queens is so, the legacy is so important. And I think it's not, I think it's been overlooked too, because it was a very special time, especially the 50s and the 60s. Um, my family, we we came from uh, Spanish Harlem. My 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 parents was first generation from Puerto Rico, and they moved, you know, Spanish Harlem. So um, 
my beginnings was there and my root was there, which was incredible. Beat the Harlem in the fifties was killing, was off off the charts, you know, musically and everything. And I, even as a baby, I mean, the music was just the, the the spirit was just so lively and so real. So when my father came to us, and me and my have I had three brothers. My father came and said, "We're going to move to Queens." Man, we said, "What <laughs> Queens? <laughs> what is Queens?" We didn't know where we were going, you know. Musically, at that time, we were very my, my parents, especially my father, were very heavily influenced with with uh with, with Latin music, um, you know, my cultural music from from Puerto Rico, you know, like uh um Cotijo and Tiro Puente and Machido, and all, you know, we was my father was like big on that in the house, and we always had music playing. So um, when we moved there. Uh, my, my uh, one of my greatest mentors influences. I have three brothers, but one was named Bobby Robert, and Bobby was wow. He was he was it. He was the one in the family that, that he was like everything. He was Mister Popularity. He was uh, uh, funny. He was uh, charming. He had the gift of gab, and he was very musically inclined. And. Uh, I just wanted to be like him, or I just wanted him to like me. <laughs> you know, I was very in awe of my brother. And at, a, at, a, at that time, very early age, he was also into doo-wop. Frankie Lyman and Teenagers and, you know, the Drifters and Spinners. And, I mean, not Spinners. Uh, um, the Flamingos and all those incredible groups were out. And uh, we, we, we started first forming a doo-wop group. And in forming a doo-wop group, man, uh, at that age, my, when my brother heard me sing at 12, 13, I had that Frankie Lyman voice. So I became the lead singer of the group. <laughs> anyway, as we we moved around, started meeting a lot of friends and all, then we realized who our neighbors were, you know? And all of a sudden, I we lived on 171st and Foch. If you go right around the corner, it's right where the gate of Roy Wilkins Park is. Okay, uh, and back then it was called Sandy Hills. It was like a jungle. We used to go camping there. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, uh, um, as I started meeting friends and all, there was a man right on the corner of my house by the name of Henry Glover. Henry Glover came from uh, um, he came from Cincinnati. He came from Ohio. Um, he was he was a he was like the Quincy Jones of that time. He was a very heavy producer, you know. Uh, he was producing for King Records in Cincinnati, and he was producing James Brown. <laughs> the first, uh, I guess, uh, almost like ten years of James Brown's career was on King Records, and Henry was producing him, and uh, Little Willie John, and and uh, 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 Bubba Johnson. Uh, he, he he wrote uh, since I felt for you, and he was inf influential in all this all these R and B groups and, and you know at the time and blues groups. Become an official JCal member for just a hundred dollars a year for free creative workshops, seminars, and enrichment opportunities year round. Members also get twenty percent discounted access to our full lineup of classes and workshops. Through key partnerships, JCal is also able to offer members deeply discounted parking passes on Jamaica Avenue and Broadway tickets starting at just twenty dollars. 
What are you waiting for? Head to jcal.org and become a member today. Any long story short, I went, me and my brother, we went to him when we was 13. We wanted him to sign us. And uh, he, he kind of smiled. He wanted to laugh. I know he did. But he was very, uh, he was very impressed that we had that much love on. But he, he became a mentor. He really felt something to me and he helped me immensely. He used to, I used to just go by his house and I would see groups like the Cleftones. Where he, he produced Heart and Soul for the Cleftones. And I would go by, I heard the rehearsal. He um, he produced uh, You Give Me Fever for Little Willie John. He used to come by his house. Um, Arthur Prysock used to come by his house. Arthur lived four blocks away from me. Um, uh, Joey Dean and Starlight, he wrote the Peppermint Twist. They used to come by. I mean, this guy, it was phenomenal. And then after he uh, finished doing uh, the King Records, he started working for a roulette records with Morris Levy. So then he was doing down in Washington and uh, uh, Eddie Lock Joe, Joe Davis, famous saxophone player. He lived right around the corner from me. And, you know, we knew, I knew, his, we knew his daughter, you know, and his family and all. So I used to watch him pass by my house because he was going to rehearsal at Count Basie's. Count Basie lived about four blocks down. He lived on the other side of Linden you know, at Adley's Park. So I would see him walking with his with his saxophone and, you know, all dressed in black. He was very cool, man. And he walked by and I, hey, hey, how you doing? You know, Mr. Davis, Mr. Davis, he said, how you doing, Stevie? And just keep walking. And, and uh, what was also impressive about that neighborhood is at that time, the 50s and 60s, on that same block that he lived next door to him was my pediatrician. We had an Afro-American doctor, man, Dr. Winters. And on the corner was another, uh, um, uh, Dr. Hill. Him and his wife were both doctors. They had their office right there. In our, in our neighborhoods, not only we had the musicians, we had black dentists, we had lawyers, we had judges. I mean, it was, you know, it was really a time there. You know, we had our own bank, the Carver Bank. You know, I mean, that area was really, really, we don't, we, we should really explore and go back to really what that whole era was about because it's very fascinating. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree. I, um, first of all, wow, I'm jealous. But, but, but also, real quickly, besides yeah. that, four blocks away was Lester Young. You know, you know, I knew his son, Lester Young Jr. I used to hang out with him. And I said Arthur Prysock, Bubba Johnson was there. Um, a few more, uh, Arthur, uh, um, a few blocks away was Count Basie, Illinois' Jacquette. Um, um, what was what's in, uh, Milt Hinton, Lena Horn, uh, I mean, un- incredible man, you know. And at the same time, we also had all the doo-wop groups, man. We had the Heartbeats, we had the Exciters. I know something about love. There was a brother by the name of Herb Rooney that became a really a big producer. It was a good friend of mine. We had the Toys. We had, I mean, there was so much talent around there, and. Besides that, we had clubs, you know, we had very famous clubs at that time. There was the Club Ruby. I don't know if you ever heard about that. Club Ruby was like, that was it. Um, yeah, uh, Coltrane played there, because Coltrane lived out there for a while. Roy Haynes lived out here. Well, Coltrane used to play there. Um, Lady Day and Prez used to perform there. Uh, 
off the price like I mean it was like the cream to the creme or you know worked in there and me and my brother worked there one time we opened up for uh, uh Patty Bell and the Bluebells. Oh, <laughs> and we had like we had ballrooms out there. You had the Linden Manor, you had the St. Louis Terrace. I mean, these were ballrooms, man. Right on that block on Linden, too, we had a movie theater called the Linden Manor. And that movie theater, every Wednesday, we had talent shows. And all these, you know, all these groups, man, because you had the 40 Projects, you had Baisley Park, yeah, all these all these neighborhoods had, they had incredible groups, man. Mm-hmm. And the talent show, everybody will come with talent, and, you know, they choose one to pick one and all. But we saw the toys there, we saw the exciters there, we saw uh, 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 one year, um, Frankie Lyman and Teenagers just broke up, and their bass, Sherman, he used to hang out with my brother. And he came and he sang Tropical Paris by himself and turned the place out. Turned it out. He won. I have to say, Mr. Karun, I'm 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 a little jealous of just hearing you and, <laughs> talk about these stories. I grew up in a wrong era. There's so, many, there's so many stories. I mean, so many hip things that happened, man. I mean. It's amazing, man. You know, I mean, but that you know that that cultural impact, um, I I must say, still is so prevalent. You feel it uh, in Southeast Queens. You walk down these blocks. You visit Adelaide Park. You um, go to Roy Wilkins. It's it is existing in the fabric that uh, people like you and those before you created. So I think um, that that leads me to my next question, which is, you know, how did the cultural diversity and vibrant music scene of Queens shape? your musical appreciation and style um, during your formative years? Wow. Um, I was very fortunate that I, you know, from first having in my beginning thing, just really knowing so much about uh, culturally the Latin music, the Latin side from my parents, man, you know, and then being able to move into that environment and be surrounded so much with jazz artists and all. And having friends and being explained to me that you know, the the chemistry and the whole change in that you know, and the doo wop. I mean, uh, one thing to my advantage, I was always open minded. You know, I like what uh, Duke Ellington said: "There's only two kinds of music, good and bad." You know, and uh, I took I took it all in. Me and my brother, my brother Bobby was like that too, man. We listened to everything, man. I mean, we was open to all that stuff. <laughs> we were going to uh, all those clubs and hanging out. At, at 15, 16 years old, man, we were going into all these clubs and different places and all to, to actually see things happening. And a lot of um, the offspring, the kids of our gener- or that generation, they went on, was, we all were starting to do great things on their own. You had a, 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 a social club. They were called the Kingsmen. His brother named Tony Cooper. And uh, him and him, him and uh, around five or six other guys, man. Uh, uh, CB and, and Barry. And, and, and they all started this, this club. And from that club, they started giving dances in the St. Albans Terrace. From the St. Albans Terrace, they they uh they started a club called Leviticus, 
Leviticus was incredible at that time. You know, it was all little jazz spot and all like that. But we had so many little jazz clubs too. We had Gerald's, you had uh, uh, the Linden Manor, you had the door, you had Leviticus, you had the St. Louis Terrace, you, you had uh, uh, Carmichael's. You know, there were so many little things that had catering for clubs and all. And the blessing was there's so many of us that we had houses, we had basements. So we'd have jam sessions in our basements, man. Mm-hmm. And I want everybody in, 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 in the neighborhood to have something special to see. And like everyone come out and enjoy everybody else's stuff, you know? This is what I think is important now, you know? Because there's a there's still a lot of great artists out here. These young kids out here, man, they ain't no joke. Besides the rap, they got some good, you know, uh, and especially the women. What I'm really impressed about the women, especially the vocalists, if you look at today's artists, especially R&B and the women, not only they can all sing, but they all got their own style. Yeah, You true. can't put, you don't see anyone following, wanting to be, sound like Beyonce, even she's great, she got her, you got, you know, everybody's got their own little thing. It's true. Jennifer got Hudson got her own thing. They all got their own little bag and they all killing it. That is so true. Alicia Keys got, I mean, you can name them all and they all got their own identity. They all, you know, they, they're writing great songs. They're doing, you know, they're really doing a lot, man. You know, I'm, that's, I think that's what's kind of keeping the R&B legacy alive. Well, as a woman myself, you know, I will have to put a, give us a pat on the back. And say that you know we we really been running the world, and I'm really happy to see um, women uh, chasing their dreams like this, um, and all the non-binary um, people as well. I have a last question for you. Um, could you talk about any upcoming projects or collaborations that our listeners should look out for? How can they stay connected with your musical journey? Um. Yeah. Well, you know, we still you know working all around. Matter of fact, I'm doing um Hollis Presbyterian Jazz Festival this Saturday. And um, I, I do a lot of, I'm glad at least uh, the, 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 the Queens thing has opened up a lot for me too. I, I usually do, um, I usually also do the St. Albans Jazz Festival too every January. And, and then with J-Cal, I've always worked there at least two or three times a year too. And now um, doing the curating for them, I'm looking forward. I hope everybody looks forward to this program I put together for them for next year. I'm, I'm really excited about that, you know, because uh, uh, I see this as my way of, 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 of uh, making a difference and stepping up, too, you know. So we got and we got, you know, we got new projects that we're working on and we, we're constantly trying to just keep on moving and progressing, you know. Um, it ain't easy out here, but uh, it ain't never going to be easy anyway, you know. You got to do what you got to do, you know, but um, I'm having a great journey, man. And things uh, at this stage, I see a lot of uh, a lot of new horizons, you know, and this is a new thing for me, too. And being able I'm so honored I'm being able to talk about I've been I've been wanting to talk about this stuff for so long because I got so much info on it. And hopefully I could one day do a panel where I could bring some of my friends that also got, they know the story too. And we could sit down and explain 
you know, have real like open discussion on that whole time. Well, it might be sooner than you think. It might be sooner than you think. <laughs> well, I know, I know I'm in a good place. Yeah. You know, I'm excited about that and I'm thankful. And um, hey. Well, Mr. Croon, I just want to say on behalf of Queens, uh, we love you and thank you. Thank you for um, not only uh, moving here, staying here, uh, you know, um, deepening your roots here. Uh, thank you for giving us your music ability, your talent. Uh, thank you be, for being a friend of Queens and a family member of Queens. Um, and we're really, really excited to not only see more that you have going on at JCal, but to continue to uh, pull some of that stuff out your brain and, and you know, understand the need to archive this history and make sure that um, we always keep Queens in mind. Um, we appreciate you. Do you have any last words, anything you want to give to the people? Well, number one, thank you. That was very well said. And uh, no, I'm I'm just like I'm really feeling, you know, something that you've wanted to to, to, to say for a long time and touch for a long time and see some feel something like I see something happening. You know what I mean? And I I just want to be able to leave some of this behind. Then just in my brain, I want to you know, there's so much. I just want to get it out there and I see it starting to come and I'm really happy. I'm, you know. This is definitely important to archive history um, and we can't do it without you. So we'll definitely be back soon and, and to get more of you and your friends' um, stories so that we can make sure that they don't go untold. Thank you thank so you. much for your time and being a part of J. Kyle's uh, journey. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. On the one. <laughs> Get into the arts at Jamaica Center for Arts and Learning. Our mission is devoted to offering quality, visual, performing, and literary arts and to providing accessible education programs to encourage participation in the arts. We present free events and festivals ranging from film to dance, theater, music, and more. On the visual artist side, we mount exhibitions, artist talks, and initiatives in our two galleries. Whether you are into classes, workshops, exhibitions, or events, there is something for you at JCal. Learn more at jcal.org.